Hi, this is Runa and you're listening to the Chainsmakers podcast where we share tips, insight, tools and stories from other Chainsmakers designed to motivate you to become the change you want to see in your world. Make sure you join our Chainsmakers community at runamagnus.com forward slash podcast. And now, this is your time to sit back, relax and enjoy. Meet my guest. Professor Gina Rippon. She is the Emeritus Professor of Cognitive Neuroimagining at the Aston Brain Centre, Aston University in Birmingham. She's the past president of the British Association of Cognitive Neuroscience and in 2015 was awarded an honorary fellowship of the British Science Association. Her research involved state-of-the-art brain imagining techniques to investigate developmental disorders such as dyslexia and autism. She has received fundings from the Medical Research Council, the Wellcome Foundation and the Nuffield Foundation, Economic and Social Sciences Research Council, Biological and Behavior Sciences Research Council. You can see, I had to get Gina as a guest on our Changemakers podcast to have a dialogue with me and the co-creator of the Noma Boxes movement, looking at are we fighting windmills when we are offering people the opportunity to open up their gender boxes, take a look inside, is that really who they were born to be or are we all just what we are conditioned to be? Hmm, big questions, fabulous fabulous woman that you will love and will get an aha moment or two listening to Gina Rippon. Here she goes. Gina Rippon, thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on the Changemakers podcast and where I'm so honored and so excited to have you with us. Um, thank you very much for asking me. <laughs> You know, the, the whole thing that, and, I, and for, for our guests who are not looking at the video, but are on, the, on listening to this episode, you will hear another voice, not just mine, you will hear Nicholas Haynes, the co-creator of the Noma Boxes movement, who is also a host, he's the co-host of this episode. Uh, Gina, just to, to start off with, you wrote a book, The Gentle Brain, which was published last year, 2019. And now you're in publishing another book that is The Genders and Our Brain, am I correct? Sorry, no, I'm afraid it's the same book. Uh, the um, American version, they changed the title. They, they changed said, the title? Yes, yes. That's what so we were right. thinking about. Well, they, they said, the publishers said the Americans couldn't cope with the term gendered, which given my impression is they're a nation which spend all its time turning nouns into verbs. I was surprised that they yeah. wanted to call it gender in our brains. And so I'm afraid it's the same book. It's the same <laughs> book. Okay. Okay. That, that explains it because we were just thinking <laughs> what is really going to be different in that? Is he, yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, so, can, can I just say, I'm, I'm very glad it's the same book because the book is utterly brilliant. So <laughs> if we get the book going into a different market, whether it's called something, it's it's a brilliant, utterly brilliant. Thank you. Well, the Spanish, the Spanish edition came out. Uh, well, I'm actually going to Spain tomorrow, so the, there is a Spanish edition out. So it's getting out there, which is why mm. I wrote it. <laughs> so that's <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So just going into that topic, we, we are building this movement 
the normal boxes movement. And one of the big boxes that we are opening up is the gender box. Mm-hmm. And what we experiencing is this resistance to really open it up and, and look at who are we as human beings. Mm-hmm. So my first question is, how can we use the information from your book to, in a way that, that opens up people's minds to who are we as human beings? Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great question. And, and actually, it's all to do with some of the fundamental issues seem trivial. And that's, are we actually talking about sex or are we talking about gender? Mm. Um, and I think if you look at the use of the word over time, uh, the term sex used to apply to biological sex and what was then felt to be the inevitable downstream consequences, what kind of personality and temperament and skills you had and what kind of job you could do and therefore what role you had in society. And sex was actually used for all of those stages. So we talked about sex roles, for example. We've now shifted, I think in the 1980s, probably coinciding with second wave of feminism, the term gender was introduced to kind of say there's some biological aspects, but there's also some social aspects. The argument then was that they were completely separate. But now we use the term gender in the same way that the term sex used to be used. So we talk about gender pay gaps and even gender reveal parties. And I I think that is an indication that there is still this misunderstanding or still an assumption that one Mm -hmm. thing is inextricably linked to the other. So when you say to people, you know, you can be any gender you like, people will say, but I'm male or female, and, you know, I'm either one or the other, and therefore there can only be two genders. And that is very much the terms in which the debate is currently going on. So hopefully explaining to people that this, what looked like an inextricable link isn't, we're not hardwired by um, our genotypes in a particular way, couldn't allow people to think, I, you know, I don't only have to identify myself as man or woman and everything else that goes with that. And it is the everything else that goes with it that I think is a re- is kind of at the nub of what, one of the problems, isn't it? The, the gender and everything else goes with it. Well, you know what men are like. Men are like this. Women are like this. Men are from Mars. <laughs> or which way around? Where, yeah, where are men? Where are men? <laughs> men are from some planet. <laughs> So it's the uh, the everything that goes with it is where some of our experience and some of the things we're seeing. So can you talk about the everything that goes with it? With it, yes. Yes. Well, I I mean, that brings us into the role of the stereotypes, gender stereotypes, which is is where the, the title of the book eventually arrived at. Because, I mean, my basic premise, which when people say, so if you think men's and women's brains aren't different, you must think they're the same. And I'll say, no, uh, that is not the consequence of what I think. I actually think every brain is different from every other brain. And that's what we should be looking at. How do brains get to be different? And I did actually want to call the book Fifty Shades of Grey Matter, but the um, publishers um, (laughs) thought perhaps that wasn't quite serious. Gina, what a title. (laughs) Yeah, what a title, exactly, yeah. Um, But I think that's it. It's the idea that, um, and I think it's even more emphasised in the 21st century by marketing and all sorts of things. The idea is that if you're male, then you are all of these things. Or if you're female, then you're all of these things and they're different. 
and the list inevitably is attached to whether you're male or female um, and I think getting people to understand that for example just because you're a woman doesn't mean you're automatically empathic in the same way that just because you're a man doesn't mean you're automatically brilliant at reading maths for example but it's comfortable I mean that stereotypes are shortcuts and you know everybody's got a brain everybody's got a sex of some kind and a gender of some kind and their lived experience suggests that thinking in terms in those binary terms has been all right so far in inverted commas uh, and the all right in inverted commas so you know if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of argument but people do get very aggravated and annoyed if you say this past certainty which has been with us for a very long time you know science suggests that it's it's actually this is actually not the case and i, I think there's quite an interesting one sorry Rina, can i just quickly do no, this yeah go on because um, yeah. i think it, it, it's sometimes some of the thing uh when we're looking at when a study comes out and say oh there is a difference in terms of the scientific view of a yeah. difference and our society oh, well there is a difference at last the uh, truth yeah <laughs> yeah and, then, and, and, and it, it backs up my paradigm there is a and can, could you talk just very briefly about that and yes i mean i, I think, I think really that there does seem to be a very profound need to hold on to that mm-hmm. clear-cut difference it's it's yeah. comfortable and it is the case that as a neuroscientist if you sort of come across a a whiff of a sex difference in the brain in some obscure journal you can bet within you know a month or so there will be an at last the truth or proof at last headline in, in the public media if you if somebody does a study and of course mainly they won't have been published so you may have come across data where you know people looked very hard for differences and didn't find them they don't get into the popular press as you know at last the truth men and women aren't that different after all so there is clearly a, a strong need for that. And, and I think that's part of the pushback. But it is, uh, you know, I, I think particularly with revolutions in science, where they're going back and saying, we don't just want to find out when you did find a difference. It could be as important or even more important where you didn't find a difference. Uh, and I think if you look back in the history of, of, of sex difference research, particularly brain uh, neuroscience research, um, somebody recently did a study which said the number of significant differences which have been found cannot have been possible in terms of the sample sizes that people were using. So clearly, people are cherry picking the differences, and that's what they report, that's what people are looking for. Uh, and so, you get this overwhelming impression that scientists are actually catching up with what the rest of the world knew all the time that men and women are different. <laughs> Um, but it you know so I think there's that that aspect but the other aspect particularly with respect to neuroscience is that you know we've spent decades of research thousands of taxpayers dollars looked and you know there's a huge array of, of, of publications showing that there are sex differences in this part of the brain or that part of the brain but another paper will come along and say oh we didn't find any sex differences here but we did find them there um, so we get these intense arguments about where the differences are. But actually, as neuroscientists, we don't even know what those mean. I mean, somebody could have a thicker cortex or a bigger amygdala or a um, you know, bigger bridge of fibres joining the two hemispheres. But you know, it isn't an anatomical argument. 
it's really saying, you know, if we're interested in gender and gender caps and individual differences, actually spending all our time looking at little parts of the brain is not very informative. And, and, and that difference is, a, might be a statistical difference, but there's no difference in our experience in reality. Is that well, right? That's right. And, yeah, and we're always yeah. talking about groups because people, mm. I mean, scientists forget that people reading their work are not necessarily scientists. So they don't always draw attention to the fact that you've got two sets of data from men and women. They're distributed, possibly showing a huge amount of variability within each group. But what you do is focus on the tiny differences between them. But the data sets themselves are hugely overlapping. So, you know, if you've got something like a 90% overlap on the size of a particular part of the brain between males and females, it may be statistically significant. It could be very small, but it means that you knowing somebody is a male or a female is not informative in terms of understanding what the size of that part of the brain is going to be. And I think people have missed that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We talk about, often we talk about it that we are doing this to save some brain calories, but it's really... <laughs> You know, there's no need of, of keeping people in those gender boxes and just make them suffocate there and, and, and not giving them access to really who they were born to be. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to the question, can we change this? Can this be changed? I think, well, the conversation has started and actually a lot of it is to do with gender identity and the ongoing debate (laughs) in trenchant terms in some cases about you know can children for example feel that they're a boy rather than a girl a whole load of issues within certainly in the UK uh, about this whole issue of of gender assignment um, and whether you can self-declare so I think it's a kind of messy argument at, at the moment but at least the argument is there so I think the idea that you're you know who you feel you are is not necessarily tied to your biological components and I think that's a way of starting to open these boxes because you know as people say well you know what's wrong with you know, vive la difference let boys be boys kind of thing yeah. Yeah. Um, and you say well if you look at the uh, mental health statistics um, depression in women eating disorders self-harm um, high levels of suicide rates in in, in young men then whatever the destination is that people are being led to is is not positive for everybody. So we really need to look at the journey which takes them there and say, is it really the case that if you're born a female, this is what you're going to be like? Um, You know, you won't be welcome in these kind of professions or disciplines. You'll be expected to be like this, to look like this, etc. And you could say, you know, if everybody was happy with that, well, you know, let's leave well alone. But it's it's clear that's not the case, as, as well as all of the other sort of social justice and, and uh, gender inequality issues which, which need tackling. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that we're coming really to the, to the end of this short but very, very, very valuable okay. podcast <laughs> episode. What is next for you, Gina? Well, I think I I am exploring the idea that I do start, in in fact, it's much more to do with my own research, to look at the consequences of, you know, the downstream consequences of um, gender stereotypes on the brain. So th- this is really being, this is how it works in the world, as it were. 
but I will then focus in on uh, autism in girls, depression in women, self-harm, uh, coercive control to say, you know, th this is the, the really pathological consequences. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I need to recover from writing the last one, I think. <laughs> My family probably needs to recover from me writing the last one. <laughs> and, and, and I think that would be a really interesting, because I think Runa's question was saying kind of, can we see this changing? But uh, so, can we see this changing as us within us as individuals? But can we see also see this changing within society that yes. we get away from men are like this and women yes. are like this? And also noting the kind of self-fulfilling prophecy aspect of these stereotypes. Yeah. So, I'm talking to a lot of diversity uh, groups who are setting up diversity initiatives. And say so we always focus on the individual. You know, this woman needs lots, lots more training, or that man needs some kind of you know anger management or something. But you could say, well, actually, let's have a look at the culture within which they're functioning. Is no point, you know, giving an individual lots and lots of encouragement to go into science, for example, and she goes into science, and science doesn't think women can be scientists or be successful, or if they are successful, it's due to all sorts of other factors. Um, so it's a waste of time, our time focusing on the individual. So just need to change, you know, the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're doing. One That's step what we're at doing. a time. <laughs> 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 and, and we're definitely doing that with the uh, help of a researcher and scientist like yourself, Gina. Thank so, you. Thank, thank you. you so much for, from the bottom of my heart for all the things that you're doing to the world um, and helping us to understand how we can feel safe and valued for who we were born to be not who we were conditioned to be Thank okay good way of putting it thank you was this podcast of value for you i sure hope so if so feel free to share the love and give us your generous review on itunes or stitcher and remember that you can always go to runamagnus.com to find out more about the changemakers and how we can help you drive the change you want to see in your world.